All right, everybody. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. Coming at you live from Frankfurt Airport. Uh, it's been a long trip, that's for sure. Hope everybody's well. We've posted a few uh, posted a few um, pods from New Zealand. I hope you guys have enjoyed those. The New Zealand series is something that I'm really proud of, and we did a good job with it. Um, I think. <laughs> I think. I mean. I was going to just do like a little check-in here and then throw to the Alfonso Ribeiro podcast, which I loved, but I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it. I'm walking around the airport here. I got my phone in my face because all of our podcast gear and camera gear and clothing and golf clubs was lost uh, somewhere between Tel Aviv and Morocco, uh, two states that aren't really uh, in line with each other. So I have basically nothing. We we stopped off in Morocco while we were shooting to go to H&M and grab some some uh, fast fashion if you will. You know, which honestly I'm not I don't I don't hate on it. You know, yeah, it's cheaply made and you know, it's not necessarily uh the best for the planet. Uh but you know, you can look smart and uh not break the wallet. But that's not an ad by the way. It could be anywhere you go. But uh, I'm walking around. I got. I, actually, I should have waited to got to the Frankfurt Airport to go shopping because they got the Gucci, the Saint Laurent. Oh, by the way, I don't understand why. Here's my problem: is I get to the airport and I've got a bunch of clothes in a bag, a shopping bag, and then I've got a backpack. Now, once I once I check my bags, quote unquote, and go through security, that's when they start selling me suitcases. I don't understand that. Why don't they sell the suitcases before you check in? That's where I would like it. Also. Pro tip on travel, always bring a duffel bag shoved into your other bags. Now, that duffel bag was lost along with the suitcase that held it. So that plan didn't work out that well. Also, why is there a Rolex store in the airport? Who on earth is going to pick up a $10,000 watch at the least in an airport? Anyway, you know, the travels were amazing. Cape Town, Johannesburg, Egypt, Tel Aviv, Morocco wonderful trip. I I think I want to wait to download those when I have a better microphone. So what I kind of want to talk about now is before the trip, um, I spent the day with Tom Doak uh, on Friday. I guess it was two weeks ago, a little more. And we played Crystal Downs. We went to his office. It was incredible. Um, Meeting his team was really great. And I just kind of wanted to go over a little bit of that story. So we played The Loop, which is going to be an episode of Adventures in Golf. It's going to be, I think, one of the best ones because it's a really interesting golf story. Uh, and, and it speaks to the history of golf and the future of golf in a lot of ways. So the loop, if you're not familiar, is basically uh, one of the courses, one of the two courses at Forest Dunes in Michigan. Okay. It's owned by this guy, Lou. And Lou uh, came into owning golf courses as a truck driver, and I can't wait to get an interview with him. He wasn't around when we were there, but um, it was owned by uh, one company. They weren't able to make money. Then they sold it to the uh, some union, some Michigan, like I think it was UAW, and they were like, "All right, we'll make money on this." I guess unions have outside investments from uh, you know normal stuff. Anyway, oh, speaking German, eine kleine. What did he say? What was the, uh, ich bin ein Berliner? And that's when Kennedy said, I'm a donut. And he meant to say, I'm a Berliner. (laughs) That's a real thing, folks. Politics have always been funny. Um, 
but uh, so the loop, basically Lou had one course designed by, uh, I want to say, uh, oh, who was it? It was, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, it was the same guy who did Loch Lomond. Um, starts with a G. Um, anyway, Lou says, I want another course. And I want something that's going to be really interesting, a wow factor. And so he goes to Tom Doak and he says, make me a course design give me your ideas and tom comes back after a while of thinking and tom's always wanted to design a reversible golf course uh ever since you know st andrews is reversible it's been played that way it doesn't anymore i think once a year the members play it reversibly but it's very easily playable as reversible especially back in the day when your tee box was merely like a club length from the prior hole like it was right there there was no specified tee box uh, apparently, this guy named Tom Simpson wrote a book called Architecture in Golf or something like a hundred years ago and laid out the perfect plan for a reversible three-hole layout. And so since then, Tom's wanted to do it, hasn't had the right opportunity. This was the perfect opportunity, right? So it's this sort of piece of land that's not terribly hilly. Hills would create a problem for a reversible course. And it's not crazy scenic, right? It's just sort of out there in the middle of the woods. And Lou wanted a place where basically it would encourage golfers to stay overnight and eat and drink because you know that's the way a golf course makes money kind of like the movie theater kind of like a restaurant right restaurants don't make money on pasta they make it on you know jack and coke or gin and tonic whatever you prefer i don't drink so i'm kind of not privy to either but basically lou says tom fix me up a spot that people are going to want to stay and play so tom comes back he shows him a layout it's boring lou says this is boring tom lays down another plan right on top of him and says what about this course and Lou says, same thing, man, it's boring. Tom says, what if I told you that both of these courses are the same course and you can play it differently based on the day? And Lou says, now that's interesting. So then they get to work. And, you know, I really love this idea. And I'll be honest, at first I was a bit skeptical when I heard about it years ago. Um, this has been on the agenda for Scratch for a long time. But then finally I met Tom in Scotland for the Scottish Open. We played golf at Kilspindy. We had dinner at the Ducks Inn. If you've seen the vlogs, you know where we were. We didn't film it because, you know, I don't want to... Some days you just got to have a day off. You know what I mean? By the way, a day off now means eight-hour layover in Frankfurt, which is cool. I'm going to get a shower. That's sick. I'm excited. Um, so finally, I'm like, all right, let's do this. And so we get out there, and I can't really describe my fascination with what I saw there. Um, very few courses have made me think that much. Uh, the whole team involved is incredible. I, I'll save the details for the episode of Adventures in Golf, but basically it was just kind of a revelation in how we look at golf and how we play it. And um, then what was really cool is that we, then we, after we went and played it and interviewed everybody there, we then went to go hang with Tom in his office and look at, um, you know... Uh, I'm totally getting distracted. I'm like, I don't know how long I can do this. I might just throw up the Alfonso Ribeiro pod. One of the best pods we've ever done. But I'll be honest, I'm like, I my arm is getting tired. I'm walking through the airport. It's only been seven minutes. Um, people are, no one's really looking at me strange, which is actually the strangest part. People seem to be pretty okay with the fact that I'm just basically at a normal, at a, at a higher than normal volume. I'm talking into my phone. God, airports, can we just get honest? Airports are a place of there's disease everywhere there's you got to wash your hands you got to get the vitamin c tablets throw them in your drink you got to just like you you got to quarantine yourself from everything here 
you know, one, I was on a flight the other day, the flight attendant was sneezing. I was like, dude, you're going to get the whole world sick. We're all just traveling and we're going to spread out and take these like little flies from your breath to the rest of the world. Maybe I've seen contagion too many times. It's possible. I am a catastrophizer. One of the reasons why I'm afraid of flying. It's gotten better on this trip just through sheer volume. Um, but, uh, so anyway, we go over to Tom's office. It's the cutest little office in Traverse City. Uh, Traverse City is like, uh, small town USA. It's the Truman Show. It's just perfection. I wanted to live there as soon as we went there. And so we go to, uh, we go to hang out with Tom at his office and we're chilling. And then, you know, I had asked Tom if he had time to play golf. And I told him I wanted to play Crystal Downs. I didn't even realize he was a member. Um, but it's been a course that's been on my list for a while due to interesting architectural history and bones and, you know, uh, risk taking. And so, um, we, uh, he says, yeah, let's go play crystal downs. And I'm like, amazing. And I've got my whole crew with me. So I say, Tom, you know, like I would be not doing my job if I didn't ask you if we can film there. And he goes, right. I understand. Okay. Uh, well, don't count on it, but let me call. So he calls. And by the way, I've already called the, the, the Crystal Downs Pro Shop and said, hey, I'm Eric Lang. Try to throw my name around a little bit. My name's uh, Old EAL. I make, make a couple of videos on the web. And I'd like to play there. They're like, absolutely not. Uh, you need to play with a member. I was like, okay. So, you know, I'm just like hoping Tom wants to play. But the truth is, I don't really care. Like, I'm happy to just play with Tom. And if Tom was like, yo, I don't want to play, like, let's just go ride a boat or something. Ride a boat, row a boat, motorboat. And, uh, but he was like, let's go play Crystal Downs. And so we get into his uh, sort of three-year-old BMW Z3, automatic, silver, golf gar- gear everywhere. Terry Eady hats, uh, you know, Bally Neal belts, uh, you know, just everything strewn all over the place trunk just filled with clothes the guys the guy plays with five clubs by the way we were we were making our way through the humid and muggy day at forest at uh crystal downs which is really hilly and i'm like i'm like sweating over here like muhammad ali and he's like he's like fine and finally i grab his bag once i'm like dude you got like four clubs in here i don't even know what's your putter is like not even legal i don't know what's going on um but uh so we drive out to forest dunes it's an hour drive i'm sorry we drive out to crystal downs it's an hour drive so crystal downs I learned a lot about this place, and it's actually more interesting of a story, I felt, than the course itself. Um, Tom Doak is, you know, mid-50s, and he came up in an era where letters were of value. So he would write letters to all these courses as he got interested in golf course architecture. He went to Cornell as long with... Um, ooh, man, I'm going to blank on this one. I don't want to say it wrong, but there's a couple other architects that also went to Cornell. Um, golf course architects. So he's telling me on the way out that he would write these letters and, and basically he would write these letters to courses and ask if he could just go walk around. And he sort of got this one list, this one like sort of index of all the golf courses in America. And he started searching them out and, and kind of finding out who made them. <clears throat> and he finds this list of McKenzie courses. And, you know, obviously McKenzie, Alistair McKenzie, he did Pasatempo, he did uh, Cypress Point and Augusta. So he's a fan, obviously, as anyone would be. And he, uh, he finds Crystal Downs on here. And he says, what is this place? I've never even heard of this. It's not ranked. No one knows about it. And he goes there. And um, they let him come play with a letter. Uh, and he's like, wait a minute. This place is very unique. And, and Tom is the kind of guy who can see a golf course in, like, CAD. You know what I mean? Like, he can see it 
3D. He sees inside. He can see subtleties and everything like that. It's remarkable. His, his eye for what makes up a good green or a good fairway or a good tee or a good angle or a good mandatory line is just unsurpassed. So playing a round of golf with Tom is exhausting because, you know, he's thinking about all that and he's voicing it and I'm learning. But it's also remarkably entertaining and educating. Like, like those two put together is really, I think, if you know what we do in our office over here, we try to educate while entertaining. We try to tell a little bit of a story that hopefully you can learn something from and and be entertaining at the same time. Sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we do one and not the other. Sometimes we do the other and not the other one. But um, And that goes back to my grandfather, actually, who started Highlights Magazine. Uh Anyone know Highlights Magazine? Raise your hands, y'all. The tagline for Highlights Magazine, fun with a purpose. And that's really my life. <sighs> Pretty heavy stuff, folks. Um, so, uh, so, we, so, so he writes these letters. Anyway, he gets out to Crystal Downs. And when he gets to Crystal Downs, it's kind of in disrepair a little bit. And he's like basically realizing that these members don't even know what they're sitting on. They're sitting on a Mackenzie gem out here in the boondocks. I mean, it's an hour from Traverse City, so you're like, there's not a lot going on. Now, when I get there, it's obviously a different story. The greens are stroked, they're, they're, they're fast. There's a posh group of guys from Manhattan on the, on the putting green, there's a wedding going on, the houses are fancy, the cars are nice. And, uh, you know, now this is 40 years later. You know, Doak was out there in the mid-70s. I think he, his first time there was early 70s, and then he came back like five years later. Now, what happened is, is this is an interesting part, because Doak comes out there and, like, experiences it for the first time and sees these crazy holes, crazy greens, you know, things that if I even had him, I even put him to the test. We were on the uh, one, two, three, four, fifth hole. The fifth hole is basically a blind tee shot, with a massive tree on the right, and the fairway goes uh, right to left, and it slopes left to right. So this, can you see that? Basically, and then, and then on the left, there's a massive hill. So you've got to tee off over this hill, over this tree, and you've kind of got to hold the fairway. And then the green is, um, there's like a huge knoll on the left, and then there's a valley on the right. So it's like an insane hole. And we're, we both had our tee shots in play. We're, we're playing okay. I think I had just missed a birdie putt on four, so I was, like, feeling like Brooks. And um, I said to Tom on the fairway of five, I said, look, I said, you can't tell me that if someone made this hole today that you would be okay with it. He didn't want to answer that one, but I'm telling you, like, these are holes that no one could get away with based on history. And, you know, Mackenzie had a chance to experiment. It was originally, I think, a nine-hole course, then Mackenzie came in to expand, and he did some crazy stuff. It kind of roams through this apple orchard. It's right on Lake Michigan, but there's not a view of Lake Michigan. It's fascinating, which I kind of like. I think it's like, you know what? Let's not, let's not make it about the views. Um, so, so Tom's there, and he loves this place, and ends up talking to Ben Crenshaw about it. Crenshaw says, what are you talking about? Interested in architecture, still playing. Um, and basically him and Crenshaw go play it. They have the best time. Crenshaw like falls in love with the place and then goes and he's playing in the Buick, which I think is in Detroit at the time. And the next day Crenshaw comes back up. I think it's like a three or four hour drive, comes back up, plays lights out. Then Thursday goes and plays, ends up winning the Buick. 
has such a good time. And, you know, it's cool to me to have, like, the experience of meeting Ben, interviewing Ben. Um, by the way, side note about Ben Crenshaw. When he, when, he, when he routes his courses, he walks around. You can know where he's been by the, by the cigarette butts from his chain smoking. I think that's cool. You don't know that stuff. Um, but um, not that smoking's good. Smoking's very bad. It's very addictive. It's awful. But uh, Crenshaw just always got a dart in the mouth or in the hand. And so Crenshaw comes up. And then basically what happens is, is it starts getting on lists. Basically, Tom submitted this thing to be reviewed and he he became a reviewer and started reviewing these things obviously i mean he's got his uh he's got his guide which is you know i i need to get more into the the dope guide um supposedly he off the record ranks his own courses uh they don't go in the book but i've I've heard some numbers of his own courses that are kind of hilarious um but i'll leave that for a one-on-one discussion so anyway i mean you know we go play this course and like i birdie number one and then it's lights out. I just go like, I think I shot 88. Like it was impossible. It was really hard. Um, and, and that did lead me to not have a fun time. You know, I, I just posted on Twitter. When I say not have a fun time, what I mean is that, that the difficulty in the shots and in the, well, what Golf Digest would refer, would refer to as resistance to scoring, which has obviously been... Um, <clears throat> people don't like that. You know, architects and players and other raiders, it's not a really good way to look at it. Playability might be a little bit better. Anyway, I, I rated, um, over the weekend, we had a bunch of time in the car in Morocco, I rated my top five. All right, Precision Pro, everybody. A lot of you slip into the DMs over there, and you ask me what the best rangefinder is. The answer is, it's the Precision Pro. Now, I used to say it was the NX7, but not anymore. Precision Pro Golf is the makers of award-winning golf rangefinders. Literally award-winning, folks. Do not get the words twisted, okay? Uh, They save golfers strokes on the course and save dollars in the wallets. Because the truth is the dollars should stay in the wallets. Well, I guess they're supposed to leave the wallet. But the point is you want them to leave as slowly as possible. So the point is Precision Pro is excited to announce the all-new NX9. We didn't even mess with the NX8. We went straight to the 9 NX9 HD rangefinder, skipped the 8, straight over to the 9. I went from par to eagle like that, okay? Anyway, it's their most advanced rangefinder ever with a wider and brighter display. I love things that are wider and brighter. It's an iPhone screen, whatever you want to call it, projector. I don't know, fairways. Just give me something that's wider and brighter. It delivers incredibly fast measurements. I can say from personal experience, that is true. There's also a built-in magnet. Oh, I love magnets, too, uh, that allows golfers to securely attach the NX9 to the cart or even an iron so that the rangefinder is always within reach for every single swing. You can pick up the all-new NX9 HD rangefinder for $20 off. All you got to do is use the promo code ERIC, that's E-R-I-K, on the website, precisionprogolf.com. The NX9 HD comes with a lifetime battery replacement. Whoa! I need lifetime battery replacement. How is annoying is it when you show up and your rangefinder's dead? Well, this one never dies, okay? It's like Liam Neeson in this bitch. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. But anyway. <laughs> the NX9 comes with a HD lifetime battery replacement services. and a, Wow, I messed that up. I'm going to start over. <laughs> the NX9 HD comes with a lifetime battery services replacement. Battery replacement services and a two-year warranty. Two years. You're not even going to live that long. This rangefinder is going to outlive you on all scales. 
Anyway, it's the NX9, and it's all part of the industry-leading customer service that Precision Pro Golf delivers to every customer. I have never heard a bad word about Precision Pro since I've been recommending it personally. So you heard it here first, folks. Get your $20 off the NX9 HD or any Precision Pro uh, rangefinder that's great. Coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, at PrecisionProGolf.com. Last words, y'all. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right. One more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which over time get broken down, making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm -hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco-innovation to the golf course in the form of a special edition shoe. All right, this is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um, form of a running shoe. I mean, look, it's it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose, okay? That's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, look, they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh, no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted like Jason Bourne from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang, I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe intercepted i mean i'm a golf guy but i also love football who doesn't love a classic interception especially when it's jason Bourne saving planet earth entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun it's also a dj amazing from the upcycled plastic waste my phone's ringing it's andrew marler hang on All right, well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, Anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built is built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> they will take you. Available starting June 10th at Adidas.com, and for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out, and now check out this podcast. 
And, you know, a lot of people were like, why did you pick these courses? And, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, I don't quite have enough time to go into it. And I tried to, I should have listed it from the top, but basically what went into those ratings for me was not experience, right? It was obviously vibe was one of them, but more about these five courses that I chose was the layout, was the condition, was the playability, what I'll say is like, can, are the shots that they're asking you to hit possible? For the average golfer. And the irony is that I might even be slightly above average at a five handicap. I don't feel that way a lot of the time. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, can, can, can anyone go play this course, right? Is it meant for pros? Um, you know, beauty is obviously one of them. But then, you know, beauty would like, like, Pebble's not on the list because beauty is not everything. And I don't know, you could argue that Pebble's even maybe not that beautiful. Um, also for me, obviously... You know, I'm looking at a place where I would want to go back and play regularly. So my top five started with um, <clears throat> Maidstone being number five. Maidstone is a course in uh, Long Island or New York. And when you get there, the world shuts down. It's just quiet. But it's not like exclusive private. It's like casual private. All the caddies are from Aruba. And they're all just the sweetest guys you've ever met. Some of them can play golf. <clears throat> I'm talking play some real golf. Um... And, you know, the sequence of holes is kind of what I was referring to. Is you've got, you've got 18 opportunities to basically present the player with a problem from the tee box. And does it make sense on the tee? Do you see where you need to go? Right? A lot of times when I play courses, I'm playing them once. So Maidstone, I've now played it, I think, three times. Every time I've had a wonderful experience. Um, and it doesn't, you know, one of the things I look for, too, in a course is, is it unassuming? Right, like, are they trying to wow me or are they trying to make me think, right? And that's kind of a big thing that I look at with a golf course. Also, if I'm on a golf course and I feel like I've played the same hole twice, absolute disappointment, failure. I don't wanna, and also, <clears throat> I don't wanna hit the same shots twice. I don't wanna have three dogleg rights with an eight iron in. They can't, they, you know, I need variety there. And, you know, I like hitting different clubs off the tee box, four iron, three wood, driver, you know, whatever it is different shapes and uh and also wind direction you know brora was up there for me it was a good example i didn't i didn't make it on the list but all the par threes feature a 90 degree angle so one par three faces north one south one east and one west so you basically have to deal with four different types of wind over the four hours that you're playing um so maidstone was up there and then next i believe was uh dunaverty <clears throat> dunaverty dunaverty is one of these courses where you're just like what is going on it's basically a farm no one knows who built it it's in the southernmost tip of the mull of kintyre and if you're scottish you'd call it the mull of kintyre it's where um paul paul the beetle which paul paul mc paul mc no paul mccartney yes whoa i'm jet lag folks paul mccartney lived on the mull of kintyre and that's where he talked about uh, yeah there's a song about it i can't remember but uh, really interesting place it's got a little town called douglas uh, and it's also home to Macrahanish Dunes and Old Macrahanish, an old Tom course and a David McClay kid course. I'm sorry. I feel like we're literally doing a deep dive into architecture, but maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. If you don't, go listen to the Alfonso Ribeiro pod. <laughs> um, so, you know, Denaverty was up there for me because it's magical. And, you know, there's something to be said about a course that that is slightly unknown, that is slightly new. If I'm going to present a list of courses that I find to be relevant and valuable from a design perspective 
obviously it doesn't make sense to just give you Cyprus, Augusta, Pine Valley. I've never played Pine Valley, but, you know, uh, so when I say it doesn't come down to my experience, that's true. Although, of course, it would be impossible as a human to fully extract the wonderful feeling of excitement and discovery upon finding a course like this. Um, so Denaverty, basically, you, you, you go out. There's a lot of short little quirky little holes that don't feel too quirky, you know. And then you make your way out to the 11th tee and you're as two or three miles away from the clubhouse and you're as high as can be. You're, you're basically inside of a drone. There's a photo of it on my Instagram. We've got a video that we're going to cut together when something stops happening, but we're editing. Editing Bay is like a, uh, is like a pasta machine with too much flour. But um, Denaverty's up there for me. That's, that's a very special course. If you make it out to the Scottish Isles there in the Southern Hebrides, or I don't know if that's what you call them, but um, <clears throat> definitely check out Denaverty. It's, it's not to be missed. It's, it's a feeling of golf as it was. The greens are not too fast. Uh, so then after Denaverty, we put in, uh, I believe it was uh, Terra Edie. Now, Terry Eady's a tough one for me to put up there because I feel like a douchebag, to be honest with you. It's very expensive. You can play it once. Anyone can go play it. You need to have a head pro, write a letter. And it is not cheap. Because, first of all, you got to get to us, uh, New Zealand if you're not in New Zealand already. And then you got to pay for the round and pay for a room. But if you can do those things, the entire experience there is magical, right? You've got an incredible routing of 18 holes. Doke is literally on his game at Terry Eady. <clears throat> I asked Doak on the uh, 17th tee at Crystal Downs who was the best owner to work with. And he thought about it for a while, and I was like, come on, I mean, isn't it Rick Kane? Like, the guy made a course for himself. And he said, you know what, you're totally right. I, I didn't even think of Rick. I was thinking of the other ones that I was having problems with. And, you know, it's the idea that <clears throat> Rick's only suggestion in the making of Terry Eady was on one of the greens he wanted to be a little bit more difficult coming in, the 17th part three. And Tom thought about it, and he said, okay, you're right. Now, <clears throat> got to remember, Tom is the kind of architect at this point in his career and at the golf architecture world where just him putting his name on your course will make money, right? It'll forever. Just forever having his name on the course is a huge boon. So, you know, he's got to look at a lot of factors because he's putting his own name on it and um you know it needs to be up to his spec so anyway rick says hey make it a little harder tom thinks about it for a couple days and says okay you're right let's do it and um you know all in all the course is incredible and in fact as i looked back on the edit that we're doing of terry Eady, which is coming out this week the second hole is a par three the first hole is a pretty relative the uh, short par four it's like a four iron or a three iron and then you've got like a pitching wedge in it kind of bends to the left nice little protected green with like a little mound behind it and then the second hole is a par three now it reminded me of the loop because you've got four sets of tee boxes that rotate in a counterclockwise matter so there's one tee shot that's closest to the first green that's straight on like 160 170 and then you kind of slide up into the right you walk away from the hole to get to the other tee boxes and then you've got you know ending up at a hundred yard hole that's like a totally different view a totally different green very, very different. Um, before I forget, I want to go back to Crystal Downs and talk about how it really gave me insight into Tom's mind as an architect. I mean, these greens are hard. They're all crowned. They're all very uh, undulating. And, you know, the approaches are not obvious. 
the the fairways definitely like put you in tricky positions. I mean, it feels like someone's like putting your arm up behind your back and saying, "Say uncle, say uncle." <laughs> Like, and I, I said uncle a lot, but anyway, it gave me a lot of insight into Tom's, you know, reputation as a masochist for a course designer. I mean, the truth is when I played Bally Neal, I was like, this is too hard. I loved the little par three course. That was a dream. But the, the big course, I just, I couldn't get a hold of it. The fairways are all crowned as well. So you could hit a ball in the middle of the fairway and then have it bounce off. Now, obviously that's Lynx golf and we all love it. I hope we do. If we don't, let's get into it. <clears throat> so you go into, uh. You go into Terry Eady, and obviously the experience plays heavy on what's happening there. Uh, the food's delicious. The clubhouse is amazing. Yada, yada, yada. But that's not how I picked these courses. This is a course where I would be satisfied as a golfer no matter where it is, no matter what the clubhouse was like, playing every day. So number two, LACC. Uh, you know, I'm partial to my home state, my home uh, city. LACC is one of these courses where every hole is completely unique in a way that very few courses are. You have a wonderful opportunity to experiment with the landscape around. You've got these eucalyptus trees. You've got some like uh, evergreens in there. You've got hills. You've got fairways that are mounted, fairways that are bold. You've got drivable holes, blind holes, long par threes, short par threes. You've got long par fours, short par fours. It's fascinating. So LACC, I hate that it's private. I really do. I hate that it's pants only. Well, no, I love that it's pants only because I only wear pants, but I hate that it's got these restrictive elements that sort of speak to the old guard of golf that I shunned for many, many years, and now I'm basically falling prey to. But LACC is a legit course. Obviously, it's hosting the U.S. Open. That's going to get it a lot of press. A lot of people will be able to see it for the first time. Walker Cup is obviously a great example of that as well. Um, but, you know, there's also something to be said for it doesn't. It doesn't sort of easily sell the landscape of Los Angeles. I mean, you can see it here and there, and obviously that means something to me. But even without that, it's the best course in L.A., hands down, no doubt. I love Bel Air, too, but I love Bel Air more for the membership and the vibe. Right? Wilshire, obviously, I love Wilshire. That's the only course I can really afford to play in L.A. Love Wilshire. Great vibe. The course is a little short, obviously. In fact, one time I played L.A., I told the caddy that I was a member of Wilshire, and he said, that's a great ladies' course, and I wanted to punch him. Instead, he lost my pitching wedge. So that was fun. But uh, <laughs> what do we get into on the golf course? Number one, guys. Number one for me, Western Gales, okay? You know, I, Western Gales for me, right? It's in Scotland. It's in Ayrshire. It's right next to Troon, a little bit away from Prestwick right there. If you're in Scotland and you don't go play Western Gales, my friend, you have missed an opportunity. It is one of these hidden gems that just literally go beyond what you could possibly expect from any golf course of its size and reputation. The holes are magical. I, I, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's been now almost a year since I've played it. I almost had the opportunity to play it when I was in Scotland two months ago, but we were just too, too, too tired. And I was like, look, I don't want to be too tired and play this lovely course. I want to go back and play it properly. So... That was my top five. And, um, you know, I'm not a big guy on, like, rating and doing that stuff. But I thought, hey, you know, it could be fun. Like, I'm thinking about it. Let's do it. We were in the van driving to Rabat to play Golf Royal Dar Esalam, which means place of peace. And uh, it's where they host the Hassam uh, Trophy on the European Tour. And it's a Robert Trent Jones course. And it's, it's the crown jewel of Africa. I mean, it's the nicest course in Africa. I didn't play all of them. Obviously, I only played about six, but um, it's 
it's magnificent. So anyway, we had this long drive, and Stuart said, Eric, what are your top five courses? So, geez, I've never even thought about it. So thought about it. That's what it was. Obviously, National Golf Links. I only played 14 holes, so I have a hard time reviewing that course. I, but also, National is great. I mean, I would love to play there every day. But not necessarily in the same way that I feel about these other five. These other five are pretty straightforward layouts. You know, um, also love Royal Aberdeen, but only played 12 holes there. You know, I have this problem of not finishing rounds. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because we're always working. You know, I made a joke. I made a little post when we were at uh, Royal Dar es Salaam because unlike few times I've, I'm shooting here Adventures in Golf, which, you know, when we shoot Adventures in Golf, it's not like I'm out there playing around. I don't card a score. I don't play one ball. I'm hitting shots and I'm interviewing and I'm focused on 9,000 things other than playing golf. Now, this one experience was the feeling of wishing that I was just playing golf was so big. The course is just fun. It's beautiful and lovely. Benji Warren from North Berwick took me around, showed me the place. He was in there with his hands and knees, blood, sweat, and tears working on this course, redesigning all the greens with his mentor. Just a magnificent spot. And um, all right, I'm getting thirsty. I love you guys. I'm glad that everything's going well. (laughs) I hope it's going well. Um, I've had a very hard time responding to direct messages. I don't know if you've sent me a message. It's just, I, I love it all. It means so much to me. But it's just I, the, the bandwidth is not there. And that's kind of been a recurring theme in my life this year. You know, we had to squeeze in seven episodes of Adventures in Golf into one trip, which was really led to like a lot of it was challenging. It was difficult. And I know it's like, oh, yeah, Eric's got the best life. Everything's great. And like I try not to like correct that because I do feel that way. It's a, it's a wonderful dream. But between having your car broken into, between being hassled by the police, being having your drone confiscated, between losing every piece of luggage that you have, between delayed flights, getting up early, going to bed late, eating food that gives you a stomach ache and gas, I might add. And, you know, just tremendous, just bandwidth issues, you know, like that's a real thing. And I mean, I feel great now. We're fine. No need to worry about me. But all I'm saying is this year, unlike last year when I was recording a podcast, potentially with, gosh, I don't even know who was around this time last year. You know, things have definitely changed and I love it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm sorry. Uh, David called me. He's going to head out for his flight. But anyway, to, to end up this short pod, I, I'm happy. I'm grateful. Everything's great. Uh, but yeah, definitely tired and, you know, working on putting more of an emphasis on getting these pods to you. That's been hard too. We've, uh, I want to do more check-ins and we will as time goes on. Um, so anyway, appreciate all the messages, all the letters that go to the Eric Lang show at gmail.com. Uh, appreciate all your support with the merchandise. Uh, it all means a lot. And thanks for supporting all of our sponsors, you know, vice golf balls, precision pro Adidas Jones golf bags. Um, it really means a lot. Tailor-made clubs, you know, like there's, I, I ran into some comment thread somewhere that, you know, had some negative view of that. But the point is I would never pick a company to align with, to support the content that you like that I didn't like. So, you know, I grew up, my first set of clubs was TaylorMades. I was down with the Vice logo before they had even called me to work with them and do the commercials. Um, I love single strap Jones bags. I like that they're, I like, I like the way that they're priced in a way that people can actually buy them. Um, 
Adidas shoes, obviously they're stylish. Let's get with that, folks. And Precision Pro, you know, it's a great, the new rangefinder's money. I love it. Uh, it was able to flick back and forth between meters and yards, which actually confused me a little bit, but you know, that's just me. Anyway, much thanks guys and uh, have a great week. And I'm gonna get on a long flight and sleep like, uh, like I'm tired. All right, peace.